Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about the dangers of unresolved trauma. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Danielle Burnock. Danielle is that lady on the internet who loves you. She is an international award-winning author, speaker, podcast host, trauma-informed self-love coach, and the founder of 4F Media. You can reach Danielle at her website, danielleburdock.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Danielle. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to get into this. I am too, because this matters, and it matters to me, and it matters to people who are listening And I know one of the things that we're going to talk about a little bit later is that we can actually be dealing with the effects of trauma, and we don't even remember that there was a trauma that took place. And that's kind of an idea that is a little bit baffling to some people. So I'm excited to get there. But is it okay if we start with kind of your story of who you are and why you do what you do? Oh, it's a very long involved story, so I'll give you like the cliff notes. (laughs) I had a lot of childhood trauma growing up. Did not know that because I dismissed it as just normal, which is extremely common with people. That's just the way I grew up. They think that it is normal. And it wasn't until I had been married a number of years, had a lot of emotional issues and mental health issues, physical issues, lots of issues. (laughs) I had subscriptions, as they like to say, (laughs) had lots of issues, but I didn't really understand why. And I came across this book when I was in a store and it said, trauma, the pain that stays. I got some of that, (laughs) that pain that stays. I'd never heard the word trauma before. And I think that's really interesting. It's become much more known in society now, but years ago, trauma was something that was other people had. They connected it with war and things that were very, very intense, catastrophic. So for an everyday person to have trauma, it's like, no, I don't have trauma. What are you talking about? I, hadn't occurred to me. And reading that book opened my eyes to, wow, I I have some trauma. (laughs) Didn't really, I don't, it was quite a long time ago. And it wasn't until I wrote my first book, which I didn't do that. I didn't sit down to do that till I was 54 years old. So I just want to pause here and encourage your audience that it's never too late. It's never too late. I was 54 when I sat down to write it, 55 when I published it. And writing it is how I learned much of the trauma I had had because my counselor helped me uncover things, validate things that I dismissed as normal. But I was reeling under the pain of that for years and years and years. Like I said, emotional issues. I had relationship issues because you play it out in your life. I had physical issues because the body keeps the score. Absolutely. (laughs) Definitely. It does. And I had gone to the emergency room and they sent me home saying it's all in your head and you're making it up and it's just gas and all these, so so much shaming around that. And trauma causes shame in and of itself. So when you have the shame piled on, you just push it down further and further and further because it's extremely important for safety to heal from trauma. It is, and it doesn't go away. And this is something that is so important for people to understand that when we have these experiences and it is affecting us deep down inside, it doesn't go away. The time does not heal all wounds. It buries them really nicely. And you might forget 
but they're still in there and they're festering and causing these issues deep down inside, which is so important that we address them because once they have been addressed, then we can heal. And that is the whole purpose of why we want to uncover these things. Because again, when we're talking about, oh, that was a long time ago, just forget about it. Don't think about it. The idea is not to bring up old trash so that we can live in trash. It's like a sliver where there's something buried underneath and it won't heal until we remove the source. And I loved when you were talking about going to the doctor. I don't know what happened to you, but I love that you brought it up that a lot of times maybe they can't figure out the source and there's something inside. And we have this this, uh, title of psychosomatic and people used to think that means it's all in your head. There's nothing actually wrong with you. And now, and I thank Dr. Bessel van der Kolk for writing The Body Keeps the Score and helping it become mainstream that people recognize, no, there is a connection between our mind, our emotions, and our body. And I've talked to lots of medical professionals who say, you know, a good 80 plus percent of the things that they see people in the doctor's office for are stress related. They are trauma related. So it matters. So what you're doing and saying matters. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that, can, I would like to just bring up that psychosomatic again. Oh, yes, please. Because people do, they, they misunderstand the word itself. Correct. Because you get told it's all in your head, which is right and wrong at the same time. <laughs> which because is it's also not confusing. pretend. They say it as if your problem is pretend. You're a hypochondriac. It's just not exactly. really there. But what it actually means is your mind is causing a thing in your body that is actually making you sick. Your brain, your mind is making you sick. It is caused by something going on in your mind, and it is an actual real thing happening in the body. Your body is somatizing your experience. And that is such an important clarification. So thank you for helping to make that clear because it matters. And it's also really interesting. We also still have this stigma. We're working on it, but it's still there. If I have a physical issue, if my leg is broken, I can get sympathy, zero judgment. Let's go get some help and get this taken care of. But if I say, I have a mental, I have emotional, I've got these problems, I'm struggling with something, then people say, oh, shh, you know, just, just get over it, just stop it. And it doesn't have that same level of understanding and empathy. And we're working on it as we talk, as we raise awareness, as we say, hey, guys, you're not the only one. We're not the only one. And you're not crazy. There is actually something going on. And the cool thing is where things at one point in time, and Dr. Bessel van der Kolk mentions it in his book, he said, you know, they used to just say, we have no idea what to do with you. You're crazy. Maybe that's the best solution. And now we've come to where it's like, oh, we understand what that is. And the next step is, and we can heal it. And that is so helpful yes. and hopeful. Yes. It was hopeless before. They said that it didn't affect your brain. And then they said it affected your brain and you can't heal. And now they know that it affects your brain and you can heal. So <gasps> they're, they're learning, they're growing. Like even Dr. Um, Vanderkoek in his book, The Body Keeps the Score, he talks about CPTSD. That's actually the psychology people are not recognizing that. People have that. I hadn't learned about it till after I knew I had it (laughs) to find out what it is. But these terms can be helpful. But I also want to pause here to encourage your listeners that you don't have to know the terms to heal. 
Oh, is it? I started healing from childhood emotional neglect before I knew the term. It was just my counselor said something went terribly wrong. And that was enough for us to get to the bottom of, well, what went terribly wrong? We didn't have to know the term. You don't have to have a label. You don't have to slap a label on it. So it can be helpful. But sometimes those labels make a person stay there instead of address it and heal from there. So if you use like a label, just like a street sign, but you're going to keep going down the road, it can be helpful. But don't get locked into the labels. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up. And one of the words that you used as you were talking about visiting with your counselor a few minutes ago, and you mentioned about being validated. And I thought, ooh, I want to talk about this word because it can mean a good thing. And it can also be a scary thing that keeps you stuck because sometimes when we're dealing with our issues and it's like, okay, here's where I am and I am sad and miserable and I deserve to be sad and miserable. Um, I've earned it because I've gone through really hard things. And then you use those really hard things to validate yourself and say, this is why I am who I am rather than saying, oh, that's why. Okay. Well, let's fix it then and move on. And there's, there's a really big distinction between, again, we're trying to find a solution, not someone or something to blame. Because Mm -hmm. if we're in this blame game, you win, you found something to blame and now you can be in misery for the rest of your life. So good job. You win, but it's a crappy, crappy prize, you know? Yeah, you don't really win. You really lose that way because you live in the victim place and you don't thrive in life. And you can survive and surviving is better than not surviving. But thriving is so much better and people need to be fed the hope that there's something more after that because sometimes when someone has crawled so far to get out of the hole of, you know, despair into surviving, they think they've arrived. And so they need the picture painted that there's still more. You can actually be happy. You can actually have joy in your life. You can actually feel like you have purpose and impact and significance, and you can help someone else. And this message is for everyone, not a chosen few. It is not just for Danielle because she's special, although you are. (laughs) It is because (laughs) this is for everyone. Amen. And that makes all the difference. So I would love to hear. Tell me about why you are the lady on the internet who loves you. What is this message that you're trying to share? Well, there's kind of two prongs to that. When it started, what the impetus was that got it started. But the way I've been able to get traction on it and really root in it and like hang on to it. It started right before the pandemic, actually. I was working on getting comfortable doing videos. And I was you know, doing challenges, doing one every day. And my heart went out to people who were suffering. It wasn't even shelter in place then, but people were suffering with the pandemic and fear of the pandemic. And it hadn't come to America yet where I'm at. I just wanted to encourage people that, you know, because love drives out fear. So I wanted to bring love into their life to drive out all this fear that was surrounding it. But then I made um, commitment to do a live video every day of the lockdown or shelter in place or whatever it's called, you know, where the various people live. Little did I know that would be 70 days long where I live. <laughs> 70 days. I did a live video every day for 70 days. And through those days, I, the love just increased. I just wanted to encourage people because the fear was increasing and increasing and increasing. So I just wanted 
I wanted to like reach through my videos and just hug people. So that's what was my heart was at. So I started with, I'm that lady who says she loves you, but then it's like, no, I just do. I love you. And people are like, how can you love me? You don't even know me. Well, if I can hate you for no reason, I can love you for no reason. <laughs> and I found out someone had made a graphic about that. And I shared that and started speaking that. And people are like, yeah, well, yeah, they started to get a thing about that. But I've learned that I really hold on to it because I grew up feeling unloved because of the childhood emotional neglect. And I'm not alone in that. Many people grow up feeling unloved or they go through things that they did at one time or they've gone through a betrayal and so now they feel unloved. And knowing you're loved, I believe, is the single most important thing for any human being to know. I believe we're created in the image of God who is love. And so it makes perfect sense that our very fabric of our being is the need for love. And so I want to feed into this love. You know, I lacked it. And so I want to pour it into others because it's just so important. It's my, my core, my core message is love. And then I want to help people heal from trauma, re regain their promise of life to feel like they have significance and, you know, all that. Cause I'm a coach and all that stuff too, but I really, love is really my foundation. Wow. I am so delighted that we had a chance to meet up because we are so on the same page with that one. That is what matters. We run on love. We are love. The desire to be loved, the desire to share love, that is everything. And how beautiful that you use that as a way to help drive out the fear. Mm -hmm. When we are love, we feel loved. There's no reason to be afraid. Mm -hmm. And that and that's message what heals, matters. Because one of the side effects of trauma is getting stuck in the fight or flight, which is the fear, getting stuck physically in your body. But it can get stuck in your emotions and all different places of our beings. And the love is what drives it out. Love will heal that. Love can be as pervasive as the fear to drive it out so that you can be just completely set free from that. I believe that if people will do the work and just fill themselves with the kind of love that they need, everyone needs different things. There's lots of therapies and I'm not against any of them. <laughs> I think they're all great, but you got to find out what's going to work for you. Oh, I agree. So can you give us some suggestions of how to do the work so that we feel loved? Well, you have to fill up on love. You have to feed on it. You have to well, I, I have a process that I take my clients through. It's called SELF, which is an acronym for See, Expose, Love, and Free. And it's a process that I believe God took me through to heal me. And it was like layer by layer, like an onion. You know, you have to see what is going on in your life. What, what Like, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, and then you have to, you know, look under the rug where you swept everything and expose why you have that problem. Then you have to love, you have to, Put love on yourself. You have to start loving yourself. You have to receive love from, from God. If you don't believe in God, receive love from your family, however you can get that love in there. To get that love in there, because that gives you the courage to take action to do something about it, to make a difference in your life, whether you start you know, reading a book that will feed you or you start listening to a podcast like this podcast you're doing, that people will start feeding on these things and getting different inputs into your life because what we put in us is what comes out of us 
And so the things that are broke, we've had things put in there that broke us. We have things put in there that make us feel bad. And so we need to drive that out with the, the love. And so you do that over and over again. After you go through that, then you, well, where am I now? What's, where am I at now? Why am I there? Why did that work? Why did that not work? And things like that. And you go through it over and over again. To, so layer by layer that you get free. Wow. I love it. That is absolutely beautiful. So as you go through the process of self, and I did watch your video on that, and I thought it was terrific. So I'm so glad that you brought that up to be able to see and to expose. Would you mind explaining the difference between the seeing and the exposing? Oh, certainly. Seeing is about awareness. It's superficial. And when I take my clients through that, I, I address, I encourage them, don't go, don't overthink. Don't go too deep. Like first response, very, very superficial, just awareness. Like I see the skin on the outside of my hand, whereas expose is like, you know, you peel the skin up, you look underneath because awareness all by itself, although it's good, it's only good to a point. And if we don't go past awareness, it actually becomes harmful. Dr. Caroline Lee uses the term detrimental. <laughs> I love that. Because if you're aware of something, but you don't do anything about it, like we talked about just a little bit ago about being a victim. If you're like, oh, great, I blamed them. I'm aware. Cool. And you're stuck in your pain. <laughs> you haven't made any progress, but we have to go past the awareness. I share a story in a speech that I shared at an event recently about a bear, a Romanian bear named Ina. And she was in a zoo and they were abusing her, but she was in this little bitty cage. All she could do is walk around in a circle. I mean, this poor, poor black bear could walk around a circle. Plus they were abusing her and people found out about it. They became aware of it. You know, if they would have just became aware of it and did nothing that would have helped Ina. She'd still be in the cage being abused, but they did something about it. They spoke up, they wrote to the government, they, they complained, they did all these things. And for years and 20 years later, Ina was rescued by a uh, bear sanctuary. So it's a sad story. <laughs> she, she was set free, but because she had been stuck in that so long, plus she's a bear and not a human being, humans have much more capabilities of healing. When they set her free in this bear sanctuary where she had her own nest, she had this grove of trees, she had her own swimming pool. All she did was walk around in a circle the size of the cage she'd been in for 20 years. She was still stuck inside of herself because of that trauma. And see, that's what we can do too if we won't do the work. We can stay walking around in a circle in our own minds. We can relive the same thing, relive the same thing. Reliving it doesn't heal it. You have to do something with it. You have to reprogram those thoughts. You have to reconceptualize them. You have to write a new ending to the story. So it's interesting because I just recently did, wrote a letter to my younger self. I've heard people doing this before, and I've thought of doing it many times, but a lot of times people, they just, they do it when they're a lot younger than I am. They do it about just one aspect of their life. And I'm like, man, I got like this big pile. I'm going to write a book, which I did. I wrote a book, but it wasn't a letter to my younger self. But someone had posted a, a story the other day, and uh, it was still just one thing. But somehow this person inspired me, and I sat down, I just got on a notebook, and I just free wrote, just free wrote a letter to my younger self. And it was just so cathartic. 
to to address that. And I saw how I had reconceptualized things that early in my healing, I saw them differently. And now I could have forgiveness in places for myself and for others because I understood things that I didn't understand before. So I could see it differently. Oh, that's why they did that. It doesn't make it right, but I get it now. And, you know, you, you reprocess it and then you have a different story playing inside you. You don't have that old story. That old story is gone. Just like if you want to get rid of your computer, it's good to wipe it clean, but it's better if you get one of those programs that rewrites over it. Because if you wipe it clean, there are people who know how to dig into old technology and get stuff out of it. And sometimes they blackmail people with that information. But if you get a program that rewrites over the top of it, that stuff's gone forever. And that's what you do when you heal yourself. Love can rewrite over the top of it that that old stuff, it's just gone. Oh, and isn't that wonderful? Thank you. I loved as you were talking about looking back at what someone did. It's like, oh, I see why they did that, but it doesn't make it okay. And I love that. And I want to just kind of hone in on that for just a minute because as we're talking about trauma and as children, trauma usually is inflicted on us by someone else, which means now we have to rethink our relationship with that person who is often someone that we love and care about. And to be able to come at it from the, I'm not trying to blame you. I'm not trying to excuse you, but it's helpful if I can understand and to be able to have compassion for that person and then compassion for myself. And when we deal with these traumatic events and we respond the way that we do, it is our self-preservation. And so for some people, they might have forgotten it. Or they might go into fight or flight, or they might freeze, or they might whatever the situation might be. And we need to have compassion for our responses, because that was, at that time, our body and our mind's very best way to preserve Mm -hmm. ourself. So however we responded, even if we think now, oh, that probably wasn't the best way, we can still have compassion and say, I was doing the very best I could with the information that I had. Okay, so now let's rewrite things. Right. That is. Right. Because we need to learn to love ourselves. Because when we've gone through trauma like that, you said we need to have compassion. But that doesn't come automatically when you've had trauma. What comes automatically when you have trauma, especially as a child, is self-blame. Self-blame, self-condemnation, and shame. You want to go hide under that rug (laughs) with the information. And you have to learn how to love yourself, which is why that's my tagline, love yourself from survive to thrive. You have to love yourself, but it's a learned thing. You have to learn, well, why don't I love myself? And then you have to get to the bottom of that and then teach yourself how to love yourself by feeding on love. And I use the love of God to do that. And then self-compassion is different than Mm. self-love. Self-love is how you see yourself. Self-compassion is how you treat yourself. How you see yourself and how you treat yourself. Okay. I like that. It's so fun to hear different people's definition of what this means and what that means. Because we Mm -hmm. can use the same words and it means completely different things to different people. So I love that you clarify that. I've had one guest who said she defines self-love as different from self-esteem. She said self-esteem is that you know you have you know, you can do things, you have talents, you have skills. And self-love is, I have value when I'm not doing anything. And I thought, oh, okay, I like that. 
So we need to like ourselves (laughs) and we need to treat ourselves kindly. And I love as you're talking about when we're young and the self-blame and the way that we understand things. And it reminds me of a, a friend I spoke with recently who endured a horrible trauma as a young child. He was six and his father committed suicide. And in his little brain, trying to make sense of the world and understand things the best that he possibly could, he thought the only explanation is, is my fault. Yes. He's dead because of me. And that led to a lifetime of shame and guilt and silence because he, he was part of something so horrible. And it wasn't until he was in his 20s and had this aha moment that was preceded by some awful things. But he said, wait, I don't think that was my fault. Exactly. But the things that, the stories that we come up with that, that is our best explanation of why things took place, it is because it's my fault. A lot of times divorce, well, they left because of me. I was bad or I didn't measure up or something or something happens. Abuse, I, I must have deserved it. Mm-hmm. something happened. And yeah. then we need to relook at those things and to expose them exactly. and say, no, let's rewrite this story. Let's look right. at it again with, with our adult understanding and, and look at what's really going on so that we can rewrite and fix that and become free. Yeah, oh. We need people to help us too, because we heal in community. You know, healing happens together and we learn things from, you know, listening to podcasts like this, reading books, and studying people who know a lot about things like Dr. Vandekoop and Dr. Gabor Mate. I learned from him. I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Wisdom of Trauma. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's such a fantastic movie. Dr. Gabor Mate, he explains why children blame themselves because children do. It is, it's what they all do. They all blame themselves. Well, why? They blame themselves because most of the time the trauma takes place at the hands of a caregiver, a loved one, someone that they need. And so they cannot make a villain out of this caregiver because they need them. So they can't be the villain. So I have to be. Interesting. I was like, wow, that was just so profound when I heard him. He's, he's, he's very brilliant in how he explains it in such a compassionate view in trauma. It is amazing. It is just amazing. Again, if you haven't seen it, The Wisdom of Trauma, you can watch it free online. You, if you do a search for it, you can watch it. They're making it available around the world. It's wonderful. Thank you. I love that we have resources to fill ourselves with love and to fill ourselves with wisdom. And it is beautiful. And the more that we're able to put out there and to make available, then I love as we're sharing the message and we're really sharing a similar message because when the message is truth, you share the truth, but we have a different flavor and maybe a different presentation of the way that we say things. And that can speak, that voice can speak to a certain person, it just resonates right. like, oh, when Danielle exactly, speaks, yes. it just resonates with me. Or when this person speaks and then other people can say the same thing. It's like, I don't know what they're talking about. So I love that we have so many voices saying yes. the truth. Yes. It's like a kaleidoscope or like people all in a big circle around one mountain and everyone has a different view. 
It's Ooh. like, and we need to have things explained differently too, because we speak in a different way of understanding how we were raised. It's like this word for this person might be a trigger, whereas this that same word for someone else would be their aha moment. Ooh, that's quite a variety of uh, responses. That's awesome. Well, is there anything that you want to make sure that we cover before we close today? Um, that there's hope. Like I said, it's never too late. And you had said a little bit earlier about reframing it and not blaming in the people in your life. So I want to circle back to that just a little bit. I have a had a very small family and all the people that caused trauma in my life are no longer alive. So I didn't have to deal with that when I was writing my book. <laughs> but one thing I want to share is my mother and I really had a difficult relationship because of her trauma and my trauma. I mean, I had childhood emotional neglect. I had my grandmother died two months later. My dad died four years later. My brother died. Um, then I had bullying and public shaming and, you know, rejection in front of the church. I mean, it was quite a big pile of things. Sorry. But because of that, my mom lost, you know, I didn't process. I was a child when it happened. You know, I lost my grandmother and my father. But something I didn't realize until much later in life when she reached out to me and said, do you want to be friends? And we went out to lunch and we started rebuilding our relationship. And we started talking through, well, when you did this, I was upset because of blah, 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 blah. Well, when you did this, I thought you were doing this and we talked it out. And it didn't dawn on me as a child that when I lost my grandmother and my father, she lost her mother and her husband. Those are two completely different relationships. I had no ability to process that. All I, I was still in the need phase of my life. And so she, she had lost her father even younger than I was when I lost mine. And so she, she, couldn't give me some things because she didn't have that. So I want to encourage people, if you have family members or loved ones that you would like to connect with, if they are willing, I encourage you to build that bridge. You can't do it if they're not willing. It takes two. But if they're willing, I encourage you to do that. I, I, when I was, wrote my first book, it was reconnecting with a sibling. And I saw a part of my life I'd never seen before because we talked about things. It's like, don't you remember this? No, don't you remember that? And it was very enlightening. And so I, I want to encourage people, reach out. If you have people in your life that you can talk it out with, talk it out with them and rebuild wherever you can rebuild. It's never too late. As long as you're breathing, it's never too late to heal or to reconnect. Isn't that beautiful? And I would even suggest that even if they are no longer with us, that you can have a conversation, although it's not going to be two-way, would include some imagination and some visualization. But you can yeah, like still pre-writing, maybe like that letter thing. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of working through. But how yeah. fortunate that you were able to have those conversations while she was still here. Yeah. So that's wonderful. What a what a privilege. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. You are amazing. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. I could just talk about it all day long because that's my heart. I want people to know they're loved. I want them to know they can heal. I want them to have hope. And I just, I could talk about it all the time because I love it. <laughs> and it shows. Thank you. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Laurel K. Hamilton. 
She said, there are wounds that never show on the body that are deeper and more hurtful than anything that bleeds. If you've experienced any type of trauma in your life, I invite you to heal and become free. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.